When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. To the P1 Podcast with Matt and Tommy. We are here, and I'm going to get it in straight away, with an early podcast. (laughs) For those non-Europeans, I say it every time, but I take my proverbial hat off to each and every one of you for the commitment you show over the course of the Formula One season. I set my alarm. And it was it was painful, and we didn't even watch FP one, Tommy. <laughs> I was going to say you make it sound like we watched FP one. Uh, FP two was only seven a.m., so not, it was seven a.m. But I was up gaming too late, so yeah. you know, uh, pain was was brought because of my own doing. <laughs> but anyway, uh, before we dive into our podcast, we've got a five star review from T zero 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 three seven six in the USA. Uh, if you want yours to be read out. Uh, please do leave us a five-star review. Let us know why. Uh, it really does help us. I first came upon Matt and Tommy before P1 and was immediately drawn to their content. I had not watched F1 in 10 years and their enthusiasm and passion for the sport drew me back in. To me, they are the go-to source for F1. There is a reason why they are doing so well only after starting earlier this year. They are the goats, Jeronki for life. Well, that's, of course, from the Twitch the Twitch streams, if you don't know who Jeronki is. Um, But thank you so much at T000376. And uh, yeah, that's that's given me some energy um, after, yeah, a late night. So let's begin with FP1. What happened, Tommy? Because we both definitely woke up early for it. The one thing that's very clear is that Max Verstappen doesn't want any of us to have fun this weekend. Just like we predicted. The revenge tour hit with a bang, didn't it? Uh, we did say that Max Verstappen would come into this race and we'd, we'd get to see whether they were pegged back with, with a new technical directive or something like that, or or you know what, what's happened to Red Bull. Is it just a blip? And Max Verstappen has arrived at uh, Suzuka and just gone, right, business as usual and then uh, you know i mean fp1 the margin was even bigger than the normal i'd say uh because yeah he was absolutely flying and miles ahead of everyone yeah but look tommy it's only fp1 unless ferrari are top of the session in which case it is absolute analytical True. data and representative of the whole weekend what i will say though and and, and something i've sort of noticed from both uh, free practice sessions perez like unbelievably washed in this first uh, Friday sessions, uh, both 11th in FP1 and then uh, finished a whopping ninth in free practice two. Hmm. I mean, I'm not going to jump to conclusions here, but that's a crazy margin that we've seen on Friday for Perez. It is, yeah. I mean, Perez has... uh, This is a circuit all about 
confidence, right? You're you're throwing it into extremely high speed corners, and we know Perez hasn't been as comfortable in that Red Bull as Max Verstappen. There's been races where he's been a bit closer, like Monza and stuff. That you know maybe is a bit more of a you know there's not so many high speed corners where it's all about uh, confidence in the car. And uh, yeah, the margin is absolutely uh, massive at the moment. I know it's only practice, but this d- does just show that uh, if we go all the way back to Singapore, when when Red Bull were on the back foot in practice, this shows that Red Bull don't sandbag. You know, Max has gone. Oh, out especially there. Max, right? Like Max Six is tenths. usually the one that just goes out there, is one of the quickest drivers almost immediately. Yeah, and he doesn't give an f. No, he doesn't. I mean, yeah, he was six tenths clear of the whole field uh, in FP1, which is a massive margin. Um, we were all quite yeah, concerned where we were. 1.3 on Perez. So, um, yeah, that's going to need to close up a bit <laughs> in the actual. Well, don't worry. When we get to FP2, we will uh, we'll, we'll, we'll bring up the, the hype a little bit more, a little bit more vibey at least. Um, but yeah, free practice one was pretty, pretty quiet, wasn't it? There was uh, a little. Lock up for Charles Leclerc at the end of it, which um, gave me slight heart palpitations, but it was fine. He was just just testing the braking zones, I heard, and you know, for ready for his pole run on Sunday. Maybe, maybe actually, he thought about all the hype just in that particular braking zone that Tommy and all the uh, wonderful listeners of the P1 podcast gave him in those predictions uh, that we did on Wednesday. He just thought about it a little bit too hard, snatched the front brake, and had a little trip into the gravel. He did, yeah. Uh, got a little bit, bit nervous, bit, bit shaky from all the, all the pressure of, of P one with Matt and Tommy clearly, but, um, from yeah, from the three minute highlights video I watched on YouTube of this whole session, that looked like pretty much the only real, uh, moment. We, we've had, we've had sessions, and we'll go into this later because someone did hit the wall, but um, we've had <gasps> sessions. Spoiler, um. We've had sessions in Suzuka before where it has been like absolutely manic and loads of people have gone off trying to push the limits in in practice because it is a, a circuit that, that punishes. But uh, FP1 in particular looked very quiet indeed um, in terms of kind of crazy action, I guess. Now, I'm proud of you, Tommy. Do you know why? Because I've not mentioned that Yuki Snowd was fifth yet. Exactly that. Good Lord. I thought you would. I mean, how have you managed to, to see straight through me uh, about what I was going to say? That's annoying. That's annoyed me, actually, Tommy. God, we need to stop being so in sync. Uh, but yes, Yuki Tsunoda, P5 in, in FP1 and, and showing some some reasonable pace. Uh, Liam Lawson was ninth as well uh, in FP1. So um, AlphaTauri not looking horrendous this weekend, which is obviously great because it's Tsunoda's home Grand Prix. It seems as though himself and Daniel Ricciardo are going to be confirmed at some point this weekend, uh, which you know is a conversation to be had if that does actually happen about whether that was fair for Liam Lawson. Um, but right now, it seems as though those two, no matter what happens, are going to be locked in. Yeah, it's maybe um, a surprise for for some people. I mean, it does make you wonder if this has been on the cards for a long time, and then Daniel Ricciardo got injured and then we're like oh no if Lawson's really good this is going to give us a bit of a headache and Lawson has been very good um it makes sense to to if they're going to announce Yuki Tsunoda to do it um in Japan but 
the problem is that Lawson has been driving incredibly well and just been on on off the back of an amazing result, uh, like a really really good result uh, for AlphaTauri when they've not had many good results this year. So um, it may be a surprise to some. Um, I did worry about Yuki Tsunoda's seat, uh, the fact that Honda aren't sticking around with Red Bull um, for too much longer. Has maybe surprised me a bit that they they are going to lock in Yuki. There must be still some some power there. But Yuki isn't driving badly. You know, it's not like he's had a bad season. He's had a very good season. It's just that, unfortunately, um, in a weird way for for AlphaTauri, that they've ended up with three <laughs> competitive drivers and only two seats, um, which is wild to think that. Yeah, it's wild to think that that's the case when uh, at one point it looked like they didn't have anyone to get in their seat. I wonder if there is a slight element of caution and learning from how sort of shooting from the hip perhaps uh, Red Bull and AlphaTauri were in bringing Nick de Vries in after just one really solid performance in Monza. I don't don't know whether there's a Mm. bit more sort of apprehension there. Um, you also, of course, mentioned that they might have just had these plans in for, for quite a long time. A question from Yank the Mike. If Yuki is not planned for a seat at Red Bull Racing, then why is he continuing at Alpha Tauri? Well, that's what we think is going to happen, and we believe he's going to be uh, announced this weekend. Um, I don't, uh, there's nowhere else to really go, is there? Like... It's not like he particularly wants to go to Williams, probably, is the only other option uh, that's available on the table. So that would be the main reason is that it hasn't, we haven't had that transition phase at Aston Martin, where who knows who's, who's going to relinquish their seat, whether it's going to be Alonso from his, the grips of his mid 40s wonderful body, and, um, or Lance Stroll, <laughs> uh, you know, and he might go and play tennis. So we don't know which one. No, Yuki. Yeah, it is, it is strange that Yuki is not part of the, the plan, it seems, at, at Red Bull. Um, it, it seems more likely that they'd assess Daniel Ricciardo and put him in the seat against uh, instead of Perez if Perez keeps underperforming. But um, Yuki has done a good job. If you take Lawson out of the equation, um, I think Yuki has done enough this year to deserve to keep his seat. Um, it's just given them... I just think that there is harsh on Lawson um, that he's essentially going to miss out because if you put your, uh, if you kind of think to to Liam Lawson and how his Red Bull career has gone, he's joined a Red Bull junior program, which you could argue uh, is probably the the one junior program where at least it's, it's brutal, but at least if you deliver, they reward you with, with a seat. Or, uh, and they they like to promote their drivers, and Liam Lawson's joined that. He's done well in, in F two and, and Super Formula and stuff, and and done a, a decent job. Then they've chosen Nick De Vries over him, uh, of all people, like that was in the Mercedes Junior program <laughs> to to take that seat. So he must be like, why aren't I getting a go here? Then De Vries has been fired. They've put in Daniel Ricciardo instead. Then Daniel Ricciardo's got injured. He's got in, done an amazing job, and then isn't getting the seat. He must be like, what more do I need to do here? And I think you joked last last race that, you know, you might have to win the Singapore Grand Prix to 
to to get that seat and it looks like that might well have been the case because um he doesn't look like he's getting it no it doesn't uh next question is from uh, one of our p1 patreon members amg piper remember we have launched a patreon recently where we're giving you more exclusive beautiful content the latest thing we've uploaded is the full carlos signs video interview that we did in zandvoort so go and check that out if you want to, to be a part of p1 patreon fam if Liam Lawson manages to score points or outperforms Yuki, will Williams approach AlphaTauri to replace Sargent with Lawson? Surely he deserves a drive. That's where I thought would be the most sort of natural progression of talks if uh, Lawson didn't get at the AlphaTauri seat. But what I'm reading, what I'm hearing, the rumour mill that is churning is that Logan Sargent is keeping that Williams seat which is surprising to say the least. Mm. But, you know, uh, I, I don't really know why they would do that. Perhaps they still value the American market and believe that there is something there uh, from the Williams team's perspective. But, you know, they've got money now, Williams. They've said this several times. Like, surely if they, that is an opportunity, if there even is the slightest crack of the door open to get Liam Lawson, you'd expect that to to potentially sort of be um, utilised and, and and approached because Lawson is better than Sargent, hands down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Logan's still not scored a point um, and he's costing... Where is he in the championship, Tommy? I think it, P20, I think it was, P20. Oh, just as you predicted. Yeah, carry on. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, the, Logan's not scored a point yet. Alex has scored quite a lot of points. So... It's got to be said that that Logan is costing Williams in that constructors title. They're they're in a fight in that kind of bottom tier with different drivers, and Alex is doing that on his own at the moment. So, um, sorry, bottom teams, not bottom drivers. Um, so yeah, the the fact that um, that that Logan looks like he's going to keep his seat is a surprise. I know he's a rookie. We say it every single race. Oh, okay. He's a rookie. But, you know, he's crashed the most of any driver this season and not been particularly quick. So um, it's hard to make a case of why why he should stay, really. But looks like he will. Uh, but I think, yeah, if, you, if, you're, if you're using your head in the situation surely you you go after like a Lawson that's kind of proved himself and could be a solid point scorer but I really don't see that happening I I don't think Lawson will and he'll kind of go back into that uh junior um Red Bull role and just hope there's a seat free when Yuki moves on or they drop Perez or they promote Ricardo, whatever happens in that next kind of phase of the Red Bull Junior program. But it's harsh for Liam. We now go to free practice two. And one of the biggest moments was was right at the end of the session where Pierre Gasly uh, hit the wall and, and brought out the red flag, which then uh, ended the session. It wasn't a big hit in the slightest, though. It was actually quite a um, pathetic crash where he was just sort of bouncing along the gravel, a slight sort of touch with the barrier, and then the front left suspension just folded in on itself, which I found quite bizarre. bizarre. It, it, yeah. You know, because you see sometimes F1 cars be able to take quite a lot of loads, you know, in, in impacts with each other and whatnot, and then it just folded in on itself uh, at Degna 2. So 
nothing particularly too much to report with with Gasly there, but it was funny that he was right behind Ocon. So uh, you know, I wonder if a little bit of dirty air from his teammate was what caused the, the little <laughs> Ocon. Oh no, what a shame! Did you actually? That's actually just triggered a um, a funny thing that I saw on TikTok. If you haven't seen it, um, is that uh, on the stage that they do with the drivers before before the race and they're chatting on stage with the fans and stuff and uh esteban ocon got asked and they were asking this question to every driver of um oh if you're on a desert island and had to pick two drivers that you would uh be on a desert island with who would you pick by the way you can't pick your teammate and he went well i wouldn't pick pierre anyway (laughs) which is like wow Oh my god! Which was pure savagery. Really was he there? Was Pierre it. there? Yeah, he was. He was stood next oh to him. Oh my god! Um, Who did he pick out of interest? Uh, Stroll, and I think just Stroll. Pretty, <laughs> I'll have like, Stroll as both of my drivers. Please. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty much what he said to us about like being his best mate in in F one. But um, yeah. no, the the Gazi thing was bizarre because I don't know what that was all about. The fact that. The, I've never seen a weaker suspension. Like, what on earth was that? Like, it hit the wall so light and then just buckled and just... Uh, it must have It must have been, like, the perfect angle just to completely obliterate it at what looked like such a, a slow speed. So, tough on Gasly. He was right down the bottom of the of the order as well. Um, but it's, it's not like, you know, could be worse. He could do it in FP3 and then have to get it ready for quality. So, they'll get it get it sorted and be all good. They certainly will. Um, another story was, of course, Max Verstappen on his revenge tour, uh, topping FP2 as well, but only by three tenths this time ahead of Charles Leclerc. Uh, Lando Pathetic. Norris was was quite close as well in P3. Sorry, what was that? Pathetic, only three tenths. Pathetic. Split. Good yeah, Lord. is basically like half his margin. It's washed. It's just trolling, really, isn't he? Um, the one sort of main takeaway I'd, I found about that all was was how unreal they are in the first sector. Like so clear, especially uh, you know, the one the one team that was was quite obvious that was, <laughs> were lacking they, was, was Mercedes. Uh, well, yeah, Max. Sorry, <laughs> I mean that is that is they for most of the season. Yeah, true. Um, was was Rebel versus Mercedes in that first sector? Mercedes were losing six tenths of a second in that first sector every single time they did a run uh, versus what Max Verstappen uh, was doing. They managed to sort of equalize with George Russell over the course of the rest of the lap, but. My God, they are so good in that first sector. Um, but then Ferrari were were good in the middle and the last. Uh, they're clearly a bit faster in a straight line by the looks of things. Um, and as we said, as we mentioned, Perez struggling massively down in ninth, a whole second uh, behind what Max managed to achieve um, at the top of the timesheets as well. Yeah, the fact that Perez didn't improve even in, in, in FB two is a is a worry for him uh, and. With how crazy close, um, I know. We're, uh, other than Max, obviously, we, we're getting that battle for P two again, where it's like could be anyone's really. Um, Perez is in danger of maybe being half a second off Max, and rather than being second like he sometimes is, he could be ninth, tenth, something like that on the grid. Maybe even knocked out. Well, uh, we've seen it so many times in it this year. Yeah, it's happened a lot. So. Yeah, it's a it's a worry. He needs to sort out whatever ever that issue is because he's clearly not not confident in the car uh, like Max is around this track. And the past 
10 tracks before it. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Question from Ronak. Do you think the new technical directives did impact Red Bull, or is it just that Perez isn't in form right now, which is what explains his gap to Max in both free practice sessions? I think we can just sort of rubbish this whole technical directive impacting Red Bull now. It was it was something that we sort of pushed aside anyway uh, in Singapore, because before they even arrived, Max sort of said that on the simulator it didn't look very good in comparison to Suzuka, which felt amazing. It was very much just Singapore being an outlier, in my opinion. Um, and that, Max is proving that. You know, he's at the top of the timesheets, both, both of the sessions today. Perez, I feel, is just slipping further and further away as we continue on. And I, you know, whatever that reason is, we can only wait for Red Bull or himself to let us know why. Uh, but this technical directive stuff just kind of needs to be put to bed now, I think, because Red Bull are right back at the top again, at least with Max. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't think it's impacted them at all. And this is this is the answer, you know. We we said it before that that Red Bull aren't afraid to show their hand in practice, not like maybe some other dominant teams of the past maybe would would hold it back a little bit and then to whack the engines up for uh, for the session. But uh, like we said, Max likes to just go out the pit lane and be like, No, I am miles ahead of you. Uh, thank you very much. So, uh, and that is exactly what the case is. So, I don't think um, there's anything to worry about if you're a Red Bull and Max Verstappen fan. No, I mean, there's not been much to worry about this season. No, has it, not mate? really. You know, I think you're all right. <laughs> you're not too bad. Uh, question from P1 Patreon member James BWFC22. What's the issue with Mercedes, mostly Lewis, and their one-lap pace? Their car on Saturday compared to Sunday looks completely different recently, and same again seems to be happening. I think Mercedes, you know, I know that we do these an- a sort of little bit of analysis on, on Friday running and whatnot, but I feel like Mercedes are the hardest team to read when it comes to Friday practice. Yeah. Where they just seem like they do a lot of learning. A-, a car just rolls out at the start of FP1, and they just look at it and go, Oh God, uh, that's wrong, and they—they—I they, feel like they have the most sort of improvement over the course of a weekend. That I feel as though we have to take what what they do with a with a pinch of salt, as with other cars, of course, as well, and other teams. But Mercedes, I just always feel are like just so topsy turvy when it comes to to free practice sessions. But yeah, Hamilton struggled. I think he did another lap late on, which again, I think you know he was one point one seconds off Max at the end. I just don't think it's going to be a Mercedes track this this weekend. L- like we predicted, Tommy, Ferrari, McLaren looking good, potentially fighting for that that second position uh, come Sunday. Um, but yeah, Mercedes, they've got a lot of work to do, but they've done it before and they've they've managed to you know take those learnings and, and really improve into Saturday. But we'll have to wait till tomorrow to find that out. Yeah, high-speed corners don't seem to be Merck's best. Um if that's not, if I'm not mistaken, I mean Silverstone. I remember Hamilton actually struggling quite a lot, uh, and then obviously got fortunate with with the safety car and ended up on the podium. But like pace wise, they weren't they weren't particularly amazing. So um, this track could uh, they could struggle with. But Mercedes are such a strange team, like you say, uh, with their their kind of pace. It is is odd to me that they've now gone with the new concept so they've got a very different car to what they had last year uh with with the side pods but it still feels the same where you don't know where they are 
in in the practice sessions and um if anything last year i felt like you'd get like a random mercedes one two in a practice session and then they'd be absolutely awful in the race and then sometimes it'd be 15th and 16th or whatever and then actually have quite a good race um but one thing is for sure like um like james has said it it does seem like their one lap pace isn't all that but they do come alive a lot more in in the races and that was the case for for last year and you can't you can't argue that it's maybe the drivers leaving stuff on the table because they've got you know the statistical greatest qualifier of all time and someone that was nicknamed Mr. Saturday. So they've got very two very capable <laughs> drivers in qualifying. Um, they just don't have the pace in quality, it seems, and that leaves them on the back foot. Like You do wonder um, if Mercedes might have bagged the odd, the odd win um, here and there over the, the, the last couple of years if they'd started on the front row because the, the race pace is where they seem to come alive. But one lap is not not for them it seems no definitely not and as i mentioned so that midland last sector they seem they seem all right it's just that first sector not so great i wonder if uh red bull and max are sort of setting up their car like we'll be unreal in the first sector because we're going to be on pole anyway we'll then clear off and it doesn't matter about the middle and, and last sectors because we'll already be, be clear <laughs> over a second yeah and there, there will be no drs um we'll have it was actually an interesting <laughs> Exactly. There's a, there was an interesting chat about DRS actually during free practice and how mm. um, going into turn one, they're actually flat. So they have to manually turn off their DRS as opposed to uh, lifting or braking, which is how it's, it's usually sort of programmed to automatically close. They actually have to press the button going into turn one. So obviously they get that rear stability um, and, and downforce. And, and there was also a conversation about, you know, why if, the, if 130R is so dangerous with DRS, why don't they just do the same thing? Because they're they're used to pressing the DRS off for turn one. Why can't they do the same um, for 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 that back straight, or just have it down the back straight before one thirty R, and then they, you know whatever. So you know, to be fair, you'd still need to manually turn it off. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there, there's, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I, I think though. It, it could it, it could need it. It does need it. I think, especially yeah. around a place like Suzuka, uh, that is so difficult. Uh, to to overtake so yeah i'm i would be down for having drs on the back straight because the drivers are more than capable yeah because i I think in the past at suzuka not not so much now where it is difficult to to follow and 130r used to be (laughs) a proper corner where you did have to manage whether you eased off slightly and it wasn't just a case of just you've got so much downforce and grip you can just fly into that corner and be fine um following another car through there used to mean that you could maybe have a a dive up the inside into into the chicane that was quite a good overtaking point whereas now it doesn't tend to be the case as much just because the corner's flat so so no one makes a mistake there or or runs you know a little bit slower for you to to make that that move so uh, i'm i'm actually surprised about this that that they're fine with that because i feel like there's been uh, I'm sure people uh, in the comment section and, and wherever will be able to to tell me where, but I feel like there's been moments where we've needed DRS and they've gone, well, we can't have it here because it's a, you know, they have to manually turn it off. So I'm surprised that they allow that in Suzuka um, because... I guess, but then what would you, how would you, unless we literally had no DRS zones, what would they implement? Like, 
because it's not like the end of the DRS zone and then the car turns it off. The driver always has to either lift yeah, off or Yeah, because there's nowhere so. in Suzuka where everything's a flat corner pretty much. So I guess yeah. you're never going to be able to. The only place you could have it is probably the hairpin. But even then, it's a very fast right-hander that's probably flat again. So Wait, Again, which um, again is instability. Insta- insta- <laughs> yeah, exactly. and Yeah, so interesting. Uh, and that pretty much sums up our chat about free practice and... The Suzuka Japanese Grand Prix weekend getting underway. Tom Bellingham, what are your final thoughts? My final thoughts are for all the complaining about overtaking and stuff. Um, this circuit is absolutely mega, and I can't wait to uh, watch Quali because um, even though it might be a struggle in the race for for passing, and I'm sure after lap five we'll be like, oh. Is this circuit suitable for modern F1 in quali trim? Oh my god, it's unbelievable! And um, it the drivers love it, and you get to watch you know Formula One cars at the the pinnacle of of what they can achieve. So yeah, really excited for quali tomorrow. Hell yeah, quali in twenty twenty three. I think it's still going to be another good one. Max might be a little bit clear, but it's it's closed up in quali so let's let's dream let's believe uh, we will be live on twitch as always matt p1 tommy for qualifying and for the race as well it's an early start for the race good lord we'll be live from 5 30 in the morning we'll be live from 6 30 uh, tomorrow uk time and we'll see you there bye bye P1 is a Stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network.